Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Opinions My Own, your favorite podcast about anti-money laundering technology and the law. Um, I'm Zila Acosta-Grimes, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with my colleague, uh, Paul Caulfield. Um, we have an exciting episode today. Um, we are talking about video games and money laundering, which are maybe words you never thought you'd hear in the same sentence. Um, but Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, our guests and a little bit about the topic for today? I think this is one of the topics that is very underreported. We talked about diamonds a few weeks ago. Um, we obviously felt that that one was important enough. I, I think this one is even more important because it is, is so underreported about how much money laundering is occurring within the video gaming space. We talk about it. It's, it's actually even a component within one actual video game that you can fake launder money and commit um, uh, a forgery in games. And then, so it's what we're actually talking about is the actual crime of money laundering, the actual crime of terrorist financing. And we have two really fantastic guests. Uh, Jean-Luc Brochet is out of the Sorbonne in, in France. He made time for us, um, uh, from Paris, uh, an academic who's worked with Europol. He'll explain his, his background. Benji Preminger is out of Israel, uh, Yale, uh, double grad out of, um, uh, with a cybersecurity, a company called Cyber Six Gill. And it, it's, not, it's not a coincidence as we close when, at the episode, it's not a coincidence that this is, this is an international uh, episode. Um, it is, it's concerning because everyone right now is talking about crypto. There's a lot of discussion and some of it is um, irrational about what's going on with these crypto assets, 6,000 plus crypto assets. That's not this episode. This is actually talking about other items of value, whether it is weapons within the games or emotions, they call them emotes, whether it's skins, whether it's donating to the, 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 the game, the streamer. There is significant money laundering going on and there's zero enforcement. And if there is, it's, it's, it's somewhat toothless. No one is walking that virtual beat. No one is walking that virtual beat with machine learning, with robotics process automation. No one is watching, is, is, is tending the store. And so what we hope is over the course of uh, this episode, you get an appreciation at these, while they are games, there is quite a bit of threat within them. Jean-Luc, middle of the episode, talked about, and I actually forgot about this, when Al-Qaeda was using um, World of Warcraft to actually chat with one another as they were, um, uh, as they used it as, as ability to chat with one another to you know, run their operations. So uh, we very much thank them for the time, and here's the... Uh, episode of Opinions My Own with Jean-Luc Richet and ben Benji Preminger. As we've been talking about the next, pardon me. So as we've been talking about it over the past few months, uh, the, the various channels of any money laundering or money laundering within the within the the various industries, um, we've got two really great guests today. Jean Luc Brochet uh, is in France, uh, teaching at the Sorbonne, uh, and uh, Benji Preminger 
works with uh, Cyber Six Gill uh, out of Israel. Uh, they've got much more than the, their current roles. And so why don't we do this? Uh, Benji, why don't you kind of level set for the, for the listeners, give us a little bit of your background, and then we'll turn to, to Jean-Loup, and then we'll get going. Sure. Thanks, Paul. Uh, great to be here. Uh, so I've been in sort of the intersection of foreign slash public policy, tech, uh, and economics for, for a while now. Uh, I got my education, both bachelor's and master's at Yale and Johns Hopkins. Uh, worked in the public sector uh, in the Israeli embassy in DC, uh, then moved over to the startup world back here in Israel, uh, working uh, both at my previous company and currently as product manager at Cyber Six Skill, uh, where I'm managing products uh, in the threat intelligence space, where we're basically uh, collecting data, provisioning it, and en enabling investigations in real time on intelligence from closed access, deep and dark web forums, uh, closed access instant messaging groups, all these places and closed off communities where threat actors, users are discussing uh, anything from fraud, money laundering, through cyber attacks, malware, exploitations, all the way to uh, what we call law enforcement use case. So whether it's uh, dealing with drugs, uh, terrorist activity, things of that nature. Before I ask you questions, let me turn it to Jean-Loup. Jean-Loup, you want to give a little bit of an introduction about yourself, um, what you're teaching at the Sorbonne, a little bit more about you know, all the uh, different pieces that you've published, um, and then we can get going. Okay, so I'm an um, associate professor at the Sorbonne, uh, but before that, <laughs> I had uh, 10 years in industry uh, working in the field of cybersecurity, uh, working for, as, a, as an expert for Europol, the, the CIPOL, and so on. And um, now I'm co-chairing, sorry, the, the research, uh, the risk research chair at the Sorbonne Business School, uh, working in the field of um, uh, cybersecurity research. Uh, I'm interested also in um, innovation mechanism in uh, cyber criminal communities. So it's, uh, for the global understanding of uh, what, what we are going to talk in the, in the coming uh, hour. So let's jump in. Um, within the past few weeks, we, we, we previewed this, I don't know, three weeks ago before Thanksgiving. We're after Thanksgiving right now. Facebook's becoming meta or is meta. Um, there has been a recent article out of uh, Turkey about 24 some odd hundred streamers who were kind of working as mules to launder upwards of $10 million uh, in the gaming community. This is a, an episode about money laundering within video gaming. We've talked about cryptocurrency in another episode. We've talked about concentrated value in tangible assets such as uh, diamonds. And here we're in the virtual world, the intangible. We're not necessarily going to talk solely about cryptocurrencies, but rather uh, virtual assets. And so um, let me turn to Jean-Luc. Level set for us the, the environment within the video game industry on what the potential, what the actual risks are right now? That's a good question. Uh, we have all um, seen the move, I mean, from, from my past research on, uh, on the video game industry, 
back in 2012, um, where um, things were, were were blurred at the boundaries, where uh, I don't know if you're familiar with loot boxes, for instance, and, and the, the regulation about around uh, online casinos and regulation. So from 2012 to now, 2020, things have not moved. Uh, and now also video game companies, of course, are not as uh, regulated as uh, uh, the, uh, the banking sector. There's no uh, know your customer policies in uh, online games. But um, now I know that they are under, more and more under the spotlight. Uh, you have seen the, the Twitch, uh, recent Twitch cases. Uh, we've seen the, uh, the Valve cases about uh, online casinos and, uh, and the use of keys by fraudsters. So I think it's, uh, uh, I will say, uh, it's more under the spotlight than ever. And um, we've recent cases of uh, money laundering in, uh, in the video game, the Korean uh, uh, MMORPGs. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> This is something we are going to talk uh, in the in the coming years about uh, well, what can uh, law enforcement agencies can do uh, in terms of investigation in, in such in gaming context. Yeah. Benji, how take take one part of your research in the report that we you wrote out in uh, 2019. Take one aspect and and describe how does money laundering occur within the video game industry. So uh, I think there's a couple ways uh, you can look at it, but I think uh, the key aspect of it is looking at all these underground illicit communities and all these underground markets that are operating, whether it's deep web, dark web, closed access communities now that are moving more to uh, instant messaging apps like Telegram and the likes, uh, where people are just trading uh, in uh, sort of en masse in all of these uh, accounts and currencies and these virtual currencies. I think uh, at the time I was focusing on the report, on my reports uh, more at Fortnite, which was really coming to a head in terms of its popularity and was spiking at that time. But that was just one example of many of these uh, sort of immer immersive worlds that are becoming very, very popular beyond just sort of niche audiences. And all of these worlds that are having uh, virtual currencies within those uh, that are having ways in and out of conversion from uh, digital or virtual currencies to fiat to cash uh, and vice versa. And so whether it's trading in-game and then conversion to fiat or trading in uh, these currencies in the underground, basically threat actors or criminals, cyber criminals are able to uh, go in and out of these systems in a way that's generally unregulated. And uh, as Jean-Luc uh, sort of mentioned, there's not as much regulation around this stuff because it is usually smaller amounts than uh, either sort of big money transfers when we're thinking about um, sort of general financial systems. And of course, there's the sort of virtual aspect of it that doesn't exist with things like uh, gems and the likes, which you, you referenced in the uh, previous episode you guys ran. The, the, with Fortnite, so Fortnite, if I have it correct, there is an in-game currency called V-Bucks. Correct, yeah. And so if I'm, the, if I'm the illicit actor, I'm either going to directly or using uh, gamers that have agreed, whether they know it or not, to purchase these V-Bucks at a higher value 
and then to resell them at a discount. Is that fair? Yeah, that, that there's certainly one of the ways. And I think I described that in a report of this funny sort of arbitrage going on between uh, locations around the world of different prices of V-Bucks, uh, which was, you know, leveraging my econ background. I thought it was very cool just because you were thinking about uh, ways in which I think Argentina had lower prices than Europe, for example. Uh, and just by nature of economics, you were able to sort of quickly run that arbitrage and make money literally off of nothing. Uh, and that, that sort of sort of compounds the problem of uh, sort of the potential money laundering of the other cyber criminal around that. Okay. Yeah. And, and John, both you and Jean-Loup said, you know, lightly regulated. It's not even enforced. I, I, I Googled enforcement and video gaming, AML, really couldn't find much. I found a few things of late, but it's just not enforced. And so with uh, Jean-Loup, you, you posted here, we're on a, a Zoom and you posted a chat, you know, it comes down to the exchangers. You know, the right now, none of these exchangers are regulated. They're operating on the, the deep and the dark web, you know, closed off from the communities as, as uh, Benji said at, in the beginning. Do you think that these exchanges are going to, the dark ones are gonna somehow get uh, uh, further enforced? to force exchanges to become uh, regulated? I think it, it, we, we get a similar issue with uh, the cryptocurrencies war in the cryptocurrency world, where um, at first in 2016, 2017, well, exchangers well, in the past, Binance and stuff like that, they were not really, um, <laughs> On the on the train, uh, in terms of uh, AML regulation, and now they are under scrutiny. Uh, exchanges from the from the clear web, uh, exchanger uh, cryptocurrency exchanger from the clear web are uh, monitored. And uh, well, this was recently with Binance issue that uh, it's it's uh, it shows their their limitation. At at the other side, we've got exchange video game. Uh, uh, Currencies exchangers, and because it's not as uh, as popular as cryptocurrencies, uh, they were always considered as as a lesser uh, a lesser fish in this in uh, this large sea of uh, of uh, unregulated uh, uh, exchangers. But uh, well, we see that in the field in the gray, in, in video game gray market where. Uh, Product prices where items, where cosmetic items can can reach a significant amount of money, that they are more and more used. And um, so your question was about uh, uh, states of uh, the state of uh, exchangers. But there are plenty of uh, uh, video game money exchangers in the clear web. I mean, you, you may not need to go uh, under the radar and and and, and have a look at uh, the kind of stuff we can find uh, in any dark web. Uh, but um, uh, if um, what was the trend I, I'm seeing is the use of um, uh, dark web exchangers, crypto, but also video game exchangers, and uh, the increased use of peer-to-peer -peer exchange and over-the-counter exchange as a way to for money launderer to overcome this limitation uh, related to exchangers. Because when you just think as a money launderer, if you uh, if you trust 
uh, an exchange from, from the darknet. I mean, you can live at any moment with, with your money. Uh, and um, they are using uh, a large, uh, uh, several, I mean, uh, they are having a, a chain of exchangers using multiple exchanges for large, large sum of money. And sometimes use um, over the counter and uh, in the form of foreign boards, post where one can exchange uh, $2,000 uh, for, uh, I don't know, World of Warcraft gold and, uh, and so on. Uh, so it's still uh, investigated by uh, Europol and, and, and French police forces uh, because uh, shady exchangers attract uh, shady, uh, shady people and, and, uh, and, and money laundering transactions. Uh, on the other side, uh, the exchanges we can find on the clear web uh, are uh, not really, not really paradoxically, uh, not really uh, investigated. A few, go ahead, Zila. No, I was just going to note that the exchangers that you're describing, Jean-Luc, in the United States would most likely, in many of their activities, would fall under the categorization of being a money service business or yeah. some type of regulation that would, at least in the United States, require registration and some type of AML program. Like Paul mentioned, even though that's technically true, there isn't a lot of enforcement of that. And so I guess I wanted to know from both of you whether those systems of regulation are something you think are going to be effective if they even were enforced. Like, is that the way to attack this money laundering and to prevent it, to kind of go after these exchangers? Are there other kind of parties that, that would be better, more effective? I see your point about uh, PCI DSS and such regulation related to uh, um, uh, online uh, online transactions. So right. most of the official exchangers comply with PCI DSS, and so they they are. That's why it's uh, not not a lot of investigation about uh, current clear web exchangers. But uh, I share your view that uh, attacking exchangers it at the the core and the center of uh, of the fight uh, against money laundering online. Because uh, to obfuscate the path of money, uh, money launderer will try to uh, exchange gold coin for uh, Bitcoin, for instance, and, and then uh, Bitcoin for Dogecoin, uh, Ethereum, uh, <laughs> and any other crypto, or perfect money, or uh, I don't know, Bitmonero. But uh, they will use multiple exchangers as a way to obfuscate and, and moving from uh, video games money to uh, cryptocurrency wallets to PayPal and then to or then to uh, um, Western Union, for instance, and then to um, uh, online uh, transfer, uh, banking transfer to uh, I don't know, British Virgin Islands and so on and so forth. So combining uh, the, the tool sets to obfuscate the path of money. And uh, well, well, I see your point and, uh, and that's, uh, I, I think it's, uh, uh, it, it, it's best to think to um, better investigate and regulate the different kinds of exchangers uh, to cut uh, to, to have a better view on the flow of money and to cut uh, that kind of uh, strategies. But I, th I think also in addition to the exchangers, the, the companies themselves that own and run the systems, whether it's Meta or Epic Games and Fortnite and all, all, all these big vendors that are really multi, multi-billion dollar companies for the most part, uh, in a sense, own the data and are able to track the activity in a way that 
sort of a second or a third party uh, service where you do the exchange is not able to, right? Uh, essentially, uh, when again, we're thinking of Meta or Epic Games or uh, the World of Warcraft folks, uh, they are able to see all the transaction among people uh, between different entities. And they, in a real sense, you know, they control the supply of virtual money, right? So in that sense, they're almost like a central bank and are able to sort of run internal enforcement in that sense. So it really should be sort of, um, it's not even a whole of government, it's a whole of industry effort in a sense of, you have the, the companies that sort of control the flow of funds internally inside the, the virtual worlds, the games, uh, you have the exchangers, and then of course you have the government, the law enforcement uh, agencies that are able to uh, really sort of uh, crack the whip in terms of enforcement, fines, criminal charges, wherever relevant. You're you're you're, you're much too optimistic. I, it, with like yeah. oh, oh no, that is not uh, that is a sort of ideal situation, yeah. not a uh, oh, sort of you know. Yeah, I want to add that uh, the challenge now will be to convince uh, video game companies to set up uh, pattern detection and behavioral tracking, that kind of stuff that that will slow down the servers and yeah. And, I mean, I'm trying to yeah. what they want to do, but I'm, I'm sure all of these companies. I'm sure all these companies track user behavior to a level that is like way beyond what most folks uh, would imagine. Uh, but it's it's used for increasing revenue as opposed to uh, any sort of let's, enforcement of regulation. Let's break down. We're going to break down first the 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 Twitch case out of um, out of Turkey. Basically, what was happening, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I I, I tried to get this. Um, I'm trying to get this right. You have streamers, you had somewhere around 2,400 uh, video game streamers. They weren't necessarily the, the top streamers. They were uh, identifiable enough that they would receive or agreed to receive the, the donations to support their, their streams. And the aggregate went up to what was reported to be $10 million dollars. And these donations would go across to the streamers, but then they had previously agreed to then refund 80% of the funds back to the person or the per people or the actors, the illicit actors that were giving them the funds, thereby laundering that money. Whether it was in a Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, it's a thing of value. And that this was being done that it was very widely widely known and 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 uh, and acknowledged, and I think only as it became more and more known, and then ultimately reported, did I think the Turkish government really raise um, uh, quite a stink about it. Well, I would say it's a, again the good old uh, online money mule. I mean, we see plenty of uh, scams like that. Like that. Uh, walk for home, walk, walk from home, and, um, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's uh, original. No. Uh, it's an original case, but it just so it just uh, show that uh, uh, it has gone mainstream. Uh, online money laundering has gone mainstream. And from recent cases, I mean, just four years ago, $65 million were, were laundered, this big uh, um, South Korean case. Well, this is where they discovered a uh, six, um, 65 yeah, million dollars uh, laundered through uh, Korean online games. And now with, the, with this Twitch case uh, under the spotlight, it's, uh, it's just uh, uh, shown that it's still, uh, it's 
current. <laughs> so the way that you, the way that the industry would prevent that from happening is if you are an influencer, if you have the ability to stream and get these donations, you're going to have to start to agree to understanding where that, not just where the money is coming from, the donates are coming from, but also that you're not going to be engaging in that type of, uh, in, in, in that type of behavior. Because whether they knew about it, uh, uh, whether they were knowingly complicit or they looked the other way, I think the standard for those uh, uh, streamers, gamers is going to rise. But let me, add, let me tell you the other one, which is more concerning. Right now you have um, 2.8 billion users in gaming. And this is a recent report that came out. You know, the, the average age demographic is, you know, skews well below uh, the age of 25, uh, if you think of the majority. And if I'm a, a young man or a young woman gaming and I'm trying to get, you know, a weapon, a skin, an emote, emote and I can go into uh, an online marketplace and get something at a, at a significant discount, I'm going to pay for that. And what the bad actor is doing is they are buying up these, these weapons at a significant price and then selling them at, at a deep discount. How do you, how do you police that? That's, that's really the challenge, isn't it? Right. And that's, I think the, the, the point, the sort of demographic point is significant, which you pointed was it's really a sort of easy to prey on victim community. If you really talk about the much lower range of, you know, essentially children with their father's bank account or, you know, parents bank account uh, or what have you, uh, in a way being sort of implicit uh, participants in this sort of uh, AML conspiracy, right? And, and you know, to Jean-Luc's point, right, the, certainly the secondary exchanges, I think, are just a practice that I'm not sure how long can continue, but certainly shouldn't continue because there's just no reason to have secondary markets for, for these virtual goods, right? There's, uh, I'm not sure why the companies themselves are continuing to support it, it the, the sort of gaming companies, uh, because it, I don't know, I don't think it serves them certainly any purpose. Uh, they're not cutting any any profits off of it. Uh, but certainly it's very easy to find and certainly fishy when you see someone selling something at a 10, 20, 30% discount of the market price when it's something that's just, there's, there is a fixed cost to it, right? It's not something that's, you know, uh, sort of fluctuating according to market values like uh, sort of freely exchanged goods. The irony is right now, if I, if, I, if I turned on Bloomberg right now, I guarantee you within the hour, I would hear about the price of Bitcoin, the, the price of Ether. And this has just been, there's 6,000 right now crypto assets, 6,000, 7,000 crypto assets. Those are, again, intangible things of value that are now uh, being tracked, Coinbase, whatever else. But then you have this right now, a, an unknown number of uh, intangible assets of value that are within the gaming space that are getting traded just as rigorously. But this has been going on for, you know, at least when you talked about 2012 or 2010 with the unlawful uh, uh, gaming act coming out of the, the US, this has been going on for much longer. 
and it's 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 an it's ironic and it's it's somewhat concerning when you think of how much focus is over here with the crypto assets as opposed to what is has been going on for so long and jean loop you said something where you know smaller fish but laundering 10 million dollars you know that that can exact you know quite a bit of uh, of damage if you've got uh, you know someone who is uh, really trying to, um, you know, pull off something that could be, you know, of a terrorist nature. So we have cases, uh, if you remember this case of uh, um, Al-Qaeda meeting in uh, World of Warcraft, and the fact it was uh, under investigation, I can't remember the year, but well, but I, I'm not into, I'm not into, uh, terrorism and uh, terrorist organization uh, more into uh, a criminal uh, organization online and just to uh, yeah to uh, to add to it to what you said about uh, the fact small fish don't uh, don't attract less than the bigger fish out there uh, we, we saw exactly this kind of stuff since uh, 2009 2010 on, on different video games and we were able to, uh, thanks to open API or, or, and gaming, the, the, the gaming community, for instance, in Team Fortress 2, they got this uh, API where all um, uh, marketplace prices and, and buying and selling were tracked. And even in 2010, the community, uh, the video game community was able to identify uh, strange behaviors from Russian actors that we are, well, obviously uh, laundering money using a bot or a script and uh, and buying with uh, stolen money, uh, uh, maybe PayPal or other things, but buying keys to buy uh, on the marketplace uh, items at lower value, at higher value and reselling them at lower value with uh, absolutely, which makes absolutely no sense from an economic point of view, but uh, which was, uh, like a, a thirty thousand uh, money laundering each month. I mean, thirty thousand dollars each month. So it's small money. It's 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 a small it's a small amount of money. We, we were unable to uh, know uh, how many um, bots the, this Russian money laundering uh, money laundering ring was having, but maybe five or six bots. But what was was interesting was 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 the response from the video game company, which was just ref, refunding the money to uh, to the uh, to, uh, to people that had to get their uh, PayPal account hacked. So they were just uh, well uh, refunding, but never uh, deleting the keys that entered the market and that were uh, bought and created due to due to hacking. And then you have companies like Take Two, which for you know Grand Theft Auto, there's actually a, a you know an in-game ability to launder. Um, it's part of the game. You've got money. There's it's not a value, but what are you going to do to set up a money laundering enterprise? And you can go. It, you can actually go and buy uh, a store and then launder your in-game money. You can't convert it to uh, any uh, fiat currency. Or any crypto asset, but it's actually something that you can do it for fun. I'm gonna. What are you doing as the criminal in GTA? Oh, right. You know, right now for the next few weeks, I'm gonna create a money laundering enterprise. So there's this, um, you know, desensitization of 
you know, what it is and what it's, what its impact could be. And I'm, maybe I'm getting a little school marmish here, but I think it's just a more evidence of just how unpoliced it is. And Benji, you said something in the preview that I thought was funny where you quoted, or you talked about Sean Connery walking the beat and the untouchables mm-hmm. and taking his, his Billy club and kind of hitting um, Kevin Costner's gun in his mm-hmm. coat. And, you know, there is none of that going on. And we mm-hmm. kind of talked about it and said, well, not only is there not someone walking the beat virtually in these games, there doesn't seem to be anything that is being deployed or even considered from a law enforcement standpoint of, you know, whether it's um, artificial intelligence or any type of machine learning being done to look and see our accounts being opened for legitimate purposes are these transactions occurring at such uh, voluminous rates to see what these trends are? And that is where I think we kind of touched on the words, you know, tsunami. Right now, I think mm-hmm. that there's a tsunami building that the law enforcement doesn't have a clue is, is building to the degree it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, certainly. And I think it's one of those cases where the problem only continues to escalate until you have a, I mean, the Twitch case now was $10 million. Once we see, you know, a hundred million dollar use case and maybe folks in whether it's DC or in Europe, uh, European capitals will sort of wake up to see uh, the problem and will invest, invest the resources, certainly with the manpower. But I think the technology piece is really key because we are talking about digital worlds, cyberspace, et cetera, where the, the enforcement, the monitoring tools, the intelligence capabilities are really technology uh, focused and based, uh, and the solutions will can only be really technological to deal with um, these types of sort of quote unquote digital problems, scaling issues, uh, using AI to detect uh, behavioral changes, anomalies, trends, um, et cetera. So it's never going to be um, uh, you know the sort of sort of classic cop walking the beat. Uh, and by the way, I think it's it's funny. Uh, Untouchables talks about Al Capone. And the whole issue of that, in that case, he was running smuggling rings, rings right, of uh, alcohol during Prohibition, but he ended up being, uh, you know, apprehended due to sort of essentially like a financial uh, regulation uh, sort of crime, right? So I think it's sort of a, a funny parallel of thinking about the, you're doing a lot of sort of illegal smuggling and such, but at the end of the day, the sort of economic portion of it is really where you can have the enforcement piece. What do you think is going to be done globally? Because the jurisdiction is not U.S. borders. You know, IP addresses be damned. I mean, let's forget that. What with your your work with Europol, Jean Loup, what do you think could be done from a um, from a centralized law enforcement or quasi law enforcement body that's that that almost must be created in order to monitor and work with again, find your local uh, law enforcement agencies? Well, that's a tough question. <laughs> and opinion are my own, of course. Uh, but um, uh, I will say, yeah, uh, there are uh, currently, um, uh, th- there are initiatives, plenty of initiatives to better track um, 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 cryptocurrencies through blockchain analysis, for instance. Uh, so there are, uh, able to trace down transactions that were uh, done in, um, in, in the past 
for instance, uh, getting uh, a cyber crook that uh, that that did the first transaction in Bitcoin in in, in twenty fourteen, something like that, and now is a I think he was a managing a hosting business, a bulletproof hosting company, and using plenty of stuff to better obfuscate path of money and so on. But well, they, they were able to get him thanks to the, the past transaction he did uh, using Bitcoin in, in 2013. So blockchain analysis, uh, analysis exists, and uh, they are currently better tying their um, uh, capabilities to analyze uh, transaction through several blockchains. Uh, but the challenge is uh, now we are talking about <laughs> something that's not public, something that's not. I mean, there is no there is no blockchain of uh, uh, of gold coins in exchange in World of Warcraft. So uh, you have to have the, exactly the, the same process they did with uh, Europol did with uh, telco operator with the malware with the, sorry not the. Um, ransomware, fighting ransomware, and uh, an antivirus company. So setting up uh, a working group where we will have uh, the main uh, uh, video game companies and discuss with them of uh, the better way to align their interest with one of law enforcement agencies. Uh, what can we do in terms of pattern recognition and have kind of API that will be used, maybe used by Europol and law enforcement agency to uh, see in a similar way as uh, in the banking sector or as in the telco sector. So they are working group currently for, well, most of you stuff, uh, uh, of course, antivirus, uh, banking, um, telco. And well, it may be interesting to have a, a similar group for video game companies and everything that relates to new trends in terms of uh, money laundering. And I think uh, just to sort of dovetail on that, I think, you know, we have to raise the question, how different from a law enforcement perspective is cryptocurrency, uh, sort of blockchain based currencies are different to sort of visual, virtual world currencies like the world of Warcraft, et cetera, from an enforcement perspective. I don't think they care necessarily if it's based on a blockchain or it's owned by uh, Epic Games. So agree with whomever. you. I right. so agree with yeah, you. Yeah, so... Yeah, and since now, because crypto has become such a huge thing, it's more likely. So once we have regulation and enforcement around that to sort of level the sort of the same sort of uh, legal corpus around that and the enforcement around that could essentially be directly mirrored and enforced on uh, digital world currencies. Because essentially, again, from a criminal perspective, I don't see a difference, right? The technology is different, but the the sort of legal aspect of it should probably be the same. Yeah, no, that, that completely agree with you, Benji. Um, I just wanted to thank you both really quickly so much. One last kind of closing question. You both have done a great job of kind of highlighting the issues, highlighting the players, highlighting the various ways in which crypto and these various currencies, if you want to call them, and online exchanges and kind of how all of this works together to, to allow criminals to kind of take advantage of the systems and legitimize their funds and launder money fundamentally. But I guess we've also talked a little bit about how desperate the situations might be and how difficult it is to really combat these money launderers. And I just wondered if each of you could give us a quick 30 second, what, what do you think is the first step 
to kind of combating these money launderers? Do you think it's more regulation? Do you think it's setting up more of these exchanges that John Luke talked about? Is it is it actually just going to these companies like you mentioned earlier, Benji, and saying, hey, shut down these secondary exchanges? Don't you know what it what do you think is the first step that should be taken? And maybe why in you know a quick 30 seconds to close. Oh, okay. I'll I'll kick it off. I think it's a combination of visibility into the activity and sort of awareness of the situation from the law enforcement perspective. And that does require the industry being a part of it, right? Sort of framing out and understanding the problem across the board and having the awareness of it. Because I think both on the law enforcement angle and the uh, sort of legislative, uh, whether it's Congress in the US or other sort of legislative bodies in Europe, uh, the uh, the sort of understanding of the situation and the problem is the first key to really finding the, the correct solutions for it. Well, um, yes. 30 seconds, it's tough. <laughs> I would say, yeah, uh, you see you see the kind of paradox where video games company are in because um, it's in their benefit to have more players. It's in their benefit to sell more keys that will be bought by people, monitor, uh, real video game, uh, real, real video gamers. And... Uh, and use the keys to as part of their uh, uh, as, as part of playing or unlocking new stuff, uh, crates and loot other loot boxes. I mean, this has become part of the of the business of some companies uh, in the free to play industry. So some of them are really uh, well, they need this uh, cash flow from from players. And then when we will ask them this tough question about uh, do you know who are who is buying the, such keys for you? Uh, some of them may not uh, <laughs> agree to disclose <laughs> such uh, well, such uh, such confidential information. So yeah. So to reply to the question, um, I uh, I think of course we need to to, uh, to uh, investigate better exchangers. Well, this is not something new, sadly. And um, I share your view that uh, there may need a, for we need a working group at the industry at, uh, at an industry level. To, uh, to discuss what we can do uh, and, and how the video game business uh, can evolve toward uh, well, something that will, uh, will be a win-win for law enforcement agency, but also for uh, video game companies. Well, I'm, gl I'm glad that um, you know, you're, you're in Paris, Benji's in Tel Aviv, Zeal and I are in New York City. Um, I don't think that that's um, by coincidence. I think this is so global that, you know, we find it, yes, interesting and some, you know, somewhat academically, but I also think that there's real, you know, threat here. So, uh, look, thank you both. We very much appreciate your time. I, we highly encourage the listener to uh, check out Jean Loop's uh, website where he has access to or links to his uh, articles. We will post that in the uh, episode notes. And Cyber Six Skill, where uh, Benji works, is doing some really interesting stuff uh, in the cyber and information security space. So, guys, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. This has been a production of Opinions My Own. 
I'm Zila Acosta-Grimes, and with Paul Caulfield, we are your hosts, bringing you episodes breaking down the state and future of anti-money laundering, technology, and the law. Thank you to Fordham Law School and our production assistant, Ava Lichter, for their support. If you have suggestions, questions, or would like to be on the podcast, please email us at opinionsmyownpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mine underscore podcast and YouTube at Opinions My Own.